This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Rolling on into hour two. This is Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We are coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. Intern Cal along with us. The busy hour one. Going through the latest NHL news. Cole Caulfield signing an eight-year extension with the Montreal Canadiens. Anaheim has their next head coach. And, of course, we're getting set for Game 2. Vegas Golden Knights, Florida Panthers. You can listen to the game right here on Sportsnet 960. Or, of course, watch it across the Sportsnet television network. Still coming in Hour 2, we will hear from uh, the head coaches of both teams as we get set for tonight's matchup, Jays also opening a series against Houston. They're coming off a great series against the New York Mets, so we'll chat about uh, a little bit of that as well. But uh, it was a very busy weekend across the sporting world, including uh, in Kamloops, where the Quebec Rampart take down the Seattle Thunderbirds for their third Memorial Cup title. And we know someone who was watching it closely. Uh, it's our pal from Sportsnet. Uh, Sam Cosentino Cos joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Chat about that and a couple other things. Sammy, thanks as always for the time, man. How are you today? Yeah, doing well. My pleasure. Thanks. Uh, were you in Kamloops for the uh, for the Memorial Cup, uh, Sam? No, no. I was uh, parked here in Toronto, draft prep, and you know that's no longer really part of the portfolio. I suppose had things uh, worked out a little differently, maybe with with Halifax being there in London from the Ontario League, it would have given me probably a good 10 or 12 draft prospects to go and see. Yeah. But since that wasn't the case and with Seattle, you know, you could, uh, you could watch from afar. So uh, unfortunately, and you know, like let's face it after doing it for, you know, 14 of them with the CHL for 17 years and, mm. and to kind of sit there as a, you know, I guess as a regular press pass holder is not exactly my jam, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Do you still keep a close eye on it from afar? I, I do. Uh, this year had particular interest to me because uh, I think back to 2006 uh, when I worked with Pete Labardius, so that was our first Memorial Cup together. And Patrick Roy and the Quebec Ramparts ended up winning the cup that year. Uh, you also had the Peterborough Peets in there. Dick Todd was the head coach. Not uh, Rob Wilson, obviously now, yeah. and Don Hay was an assistant coach with Kamloops this year. Was the head coach of the Vancouver <laughs> Giants, so there were some similarities in terms of personnel. Yeah, uh, that that kind of mimicked uh, the the first one that Pete and I worked together in '06. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, it got to be cool for sure. And I guess the the big story coming out of that, Sam, was you know Patrick Waugh and the Quebec Ramparts, and now uh, you hear Elliot and, and Jeff on their show talking about Patrick Waugh as a a legit candidate to maybe head back to the NHL. What were you, what would you think when you hear about 
about that. I know it ended so poorly for Patrick last time in the NHL. I wondered if he'd ever come back. Do you see him as a legit coaching candidate to get back to the NHL one day? I do. Um, but I think the circumstances are going to be a lot different than what they were when he was, uh, you know, with the Colorado Avalanche. And I think at that point, he was probably given a little bit too much power in terms of decision-making processes uh, when it came to player personnel. So from a coaching perspective, uh, you know, I, I think it was him and Bruce Woodrow that right away got into it, the shouting match across the glass and all that sort of stuff. And, and some of those antics that had, that had gone on throughout the course of the year, but I think from a pure coaching perspective, um, you know, he'd be a guy that, that you'd be okay with. I, I think it would have to be in a situation where he uh, would just simply focus on coaching and not be a big part of the player personnel decision. So if that opportunity were present itself and that were amenable to Patrick, uh, where he could just worry about coaching and, and not something that he was okay with, then I see that opportunity uh, likely arising for him. I mean, Two-time Memorial Cup champ, you know, all the Stanley Cups, uh, all the historic runs and clutch situations as a player don't necessarily make you a good coach. But I think the track record now with this Quebec Ramparts, you know, it has to say something about uh, about making the jump to the next level on, uh, on a more permanent basis. Uh, I know you wrote about some uh, players to watch on each team before we got into the, uh, the Memorial Cup at Sportsnet.ca. Um, one of them, of course, we've talked about a lot here just with our you know, WHL ties and being close to Seattle was was Thomas Millich and knowing what he did in the WHL playoffs, what he's done internationally, Sam, is now in the third year of draft eligibility. Uh, do you see this being the third time's the charm for a guy like Thomas heading into this draft? Well, I think the resume is good enough to, you know, to have that. I, I, I do. Um, it's funny because I was going back and forth with Jason Bukla last night and this morning we talked about it and you know, one thing that, that he had mentioned is, you know, like size, it, it plays a factor. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's probably what's limited Thomas Millich to this point is, you know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy. And so that can be a, a detriment. And when you consider the fact that there are some teams that, that won't draft a goalie unless he's 6'2", um, on the flip side of that, you know, there's three sides of the story. You think about Mikey DiPietro and, and the great resume that he put together in his junior career with the Memorial Cup and playing the World Juniors uh, and still trying to find his way into regular NHL minutes has been a challenge for Mikey, who is of similar size and ilk to Thomas Millich. And then I think about a guy like Devin Levi, who, again, a little bit more on the small side, a lot of success at the NCAA level, World Juniors, really successful player there. Um, so, so which, how, how is Thomas Millich being viewed? Is he being viewed as Di Pietro? Is he being viewed as Devin Levi? Uh, as he, or is he just kind of going to write his own, his own story here like he has to this point? I just think with that type of winning resume, a player like that deserves a shot, especially later in the draft when, let's face it, it's a crapshoot for most teams when you're picking a skater anyways. So why not take a shot with that resume somewhere down the you know, towards the end of the draft. Uh, one of the highlights of the the entire tournament for a lot of people, Sammy, was obviously Logan Stan Coven and his uh, emotional goodbye to Cam Loops. And uh, look, an under the radar piece uh, for the Dallas Stars, a second round pick in the 2021 draft. He scored at every level, every single event that he's been in, helping Canada to gold in 2021. 
uh, all these sort of things. He's, again, a little undersized, 5'8 and 170 pounds, but sure seems like the Dallas Stars have a, a great young player in their in their ranks that's going to be coming sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I got to know him a little bit through the Hockey Gives Blood program. He's an ambassador and a strong one uh, for that program. Uh, and think about uh, a guy who's grown up in Kamloops, to have the Memorial Cup playing for your hometown team, I, that, that's storybook stuff. And unfortunately for, for Logan, he didn't have the storybook ending. And I can understand the, the emotions that were going through him. You know, it's likely the last game he's, he's going to play for the Blazers. I think he's uh, set for a successful National Hockey League career. It probably won't happen as early as next year. But with his will, his work ethic, his determination, and his skill, uh, it, it will be in the offing for him uh, somewhere in the, in the near future. So it, it's cool when you have those synergies. You know, Tom Gallardi owns the Kamloops Blazers. He owns the Dallas Stars. Logan was the second-round pick there, and rightfully so. He's proved at every level through under-18s, you know, a couple of World Junior gold medals, and, and you know, getting as far as he did with the, with the Blazers this year in the WHL's Western Conference Final and into the Memorial Cup. Like, there's a lot of good stuff there to like about Logan and and of course, uh, maybe the one thing that gets underrated, or or maybe not, is uh, is the character young man that I believe he is, and I think that's going to help carry him a long way in hockey and and well beyond it after his hockey career is done. What is the Memorial Cup when it comes to the scouting process uh, for NHL teams look like, cause? Because I know it's it's late in the season. I know even here in Calgary, and I'm sure most places around the NHL, they've had their their scouting meetings already with amateur scouts. Is this uh, an opportunity for a last look at somebody? Can it really change a scout's opinion, what they see at the Memorial Cup, or has that sort of book been written already for most of the prospects? For the most part, it's been written, but it's also nice to get to see a player in those pressure situations. And I think about Mianovic, and I think about Grayson Sachin for, uh, you know, for the Seattle Thunderbirds. And the cool part of the timing of the Memorial Cup is that it ends, and right away, we go into the NHL combine. So teams started showing up uh, uh, as early as yesterday. They'll be there till the 10th. Those players who I believe are both on the, the NHL combine list uh, will make their way basically from Kamloops to Buffalo. At some points, depending on how banged up they are, they, they may not necessarily participate in all of the physical testing, but it will give them an opportunity to be seen in the interview process by all 32 teams or however many teams have requested those players of course, I can't forget the defense in Sawyer Minio, who I think has uh, started to open some eyes in the back end for, for uh, Seattle as well. But listen, any information you can add to in terms of watching a player, how he reacts in high-pressure situations, does he perform the same way he did throughout the regular season, it's all just additional pieces of information. And while it might not have been heavily populated with scouts, surely there was enough eyes on them there before they headed out to the Combine. Um, you know, to be able to meet with their teams and, and a series uh, of meetings that will take place for teams this week. Uh, Sam Cosentino along with us from Sportsnet. We moved from junior hockey to back to the NHL level, Sam, and a big signing today for the Montreal Canadiens. And back-to-back summers now, they've locked up Nick Suzuki last year to an eight-year deal, and now Cole Caulfield gets the same treatment. Uh, just 154 games for, for Cole at the NHL level, but it's come uh, with just over 50 goals and, and 84 points. What was your initial reaction to hearing the, the Cole Caulfield extension with Montreal today? Well, I, I, I think it's a situation where you don't, 
you have faith in the player. You know the character of the player. Uh, you know that there's some synergy with Suzuki. There is a little bit of a risk in, in that length of a deal. Having said that, if you play it out in terms of cost effectiveness over the long haul, you're betting on the person because you have a pretty good idea of what the player is. So when I'm thinking about Tage Thompson four or five years from now, when I'm thinking about Jack Hughes four and five years from now, you're thinking, wow, these guys are checking in at like seven million bucks. This is crazy. And I think Caulfield, for his pure goal scoring ability, will be another one of those players that you are say that, saying that about. If you let these players get into these bridge situations, now you're usually looking at a shorter term deal and you have to go back down this contract road again when the salary cap starts to raise. And now you're talking about more dollars and cents than you may have been comfortable with had you not maybe paid a little bit more on the front end, assuming that you're going to get value on the back end. So, you know, you, you have to be really confident in the player, not just his abilities, but what he brings character-wise that he's going to be able to live up to the hype and the money and, and all the pressure that comes along with having a big long-term contract as one of the team's highest-paid players. Is Montreal one of those intriguing teams to watch for at the draft this year, Sammy, knowing that they've got two first-round picks, one obviously at fifth overall. They've got Florida's, whether that's 31 or 32. And one of those teams that we talk about going into the draft that already has such a young, uh, explosive group of prospects up front and on defense, are they going to be one of those teams that you're curious to see what they do at that fifth overall spot? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this is a management group and Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes that has the confidence of ownership. And when you have that, you can truly think about the long-term and sustainability. You know, there are some general managers in situations where they've been in a place for a long time and they haven't had the success and they have to do things a little bit more hastily or differently. I, I, I don't believe that to be the case in Montreal. So when you're talking about, um, you know, using your draft capital, and, uh, and, and maximizing that weaponry, you know, is there an opportunity to speed up the process? Well, listen, there's a lot of nights last year Montreal played with five rookie defensemen in their lineup. And if I think about a healthy Caden Gooley and an Arbor Jack guy who's healthy, um, you know, you got Savard and, and Edmondson back there who are pieces you're going to likely be able to move here and, and get something significant for them either at the draft during the early part of the season or, or maybe even as far as the deadline. Um, I, you know, I would look at those types of deals to give me players that are going to help me more now when it comes to the draft, I think they'd be pretty happy keeping, you know, what they have knowing that your Slavkovsky is coming. He should be better and healthy next year. Um, you know, the guys that I talked about on the back end, Harris, Str- uh, Struble, Gooley, Jack, I like it. I, I like where they're going. I think goaltending is something that they may address, and we may see them do that with their second pick in round number one. But at number five, they're going to get a really good player, and it's probably going to be one of Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, or maybe even David Reinbacher, the the, the Austrian defenseman. So they're positioned really well here, and I think that uh, you know they're going to get a player that's probably going to be in their lineup here in the next two years, if not maybe even sooner than that. Would they be one of their, those teams, Sammy, based on their, their history that would take a shot at, at Mitchkoff? I don't think so. I mean, you know, we, we've seen when, in Jeff Gorton's tenure uh, with the, the New York Rangers that he's had 
a relationship with Russian players in the past, the mm-hmm. Kravtsovs or the Buchevnitsnes or, or whatever the case might be. So, so the, I guess that door is open a little bit. But when, when I look at, at their sustainability, I just don't think that that's a risk Montreal can or wants to take. Okay. I think they're going to feel really good about a, a different player at number five, a player that might that they're not going to have to wait three years for and worry about some of the other mitigating factors when they can get someone they're likely be uh, are able to implement into their lineup here in the next two years. So I listen, it could happen. I don't see it happening for Montreal. I pick uh, more of a multi-pick team, Arizona at six and 12, maybe Detroit's had success with Russian players for the obvious landing spot would be Washington. I think they're pick seven or eight. So yeah. that's probably a more likely scenario for me when it comes to Mitch Cobb. Uh, and obviously at the NHL level, we're still waiting for the Stanley Cup Finals uh, to wrap up. We are game ones in the book Saturday, Sammy, Florida, and Vegas. What did you make of uh, the first matchup between these two teams as somebody who's going to take home uh, their first Stanley Cup ever? Well, it's, it's you know, like I, I think about Vegas having probably that perfect mix between having a couple days off and starting and starting at home. But uh, I think the, the rest factor and the length of time that Florida sat out, you knew it was going to factor in at some point. It did. Uh, and I think you're going to see a better Florida team here tonight. Is this one of those matchups that uh, in, intrigued you going into it? Or were you one of the people that, you know, was saying, hey, uh, it's just there's maybe, you know, untraditional teams doesn't give the same sort of excitement level as maybe uh, a Montreal or Chicago. Or, you know what I mean? The big name teams that we always think of bring in big TV crowds? You know, I, I look at these things a little bit differently. I always look at the, that the teams are in the Stanley Cup with the players that I've seen grow through, you know, the CHL and games that I called. And both of these teams have a number of those players. I mean, Kelly McCrimmon, the, the GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, he's a guy that, you know, obviously leans heavily towards uh, Western Hockey League players. That has served him well. Um, you know, he's always leaned on guys that are, uh, you know, Brandon based or Brandon connection. You think about the acquisition of Nolan Patrick or, you know, obviously the key part of their team is Mark Stone and, and what he's brought to the table. But even their netminder in Aiden Hill, Western Hockey League guy, Keegan Colzar, Chandler Stevenson, they all have got roots in the Western Hockey League. So for me, it's cool to watch the roster composition based on those guys that have played in the CHL and have had success there and, and guys that I've watched coming up. And I say the same thing that, that goes for Florida. I mean, Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk are two prime examples. Bennett with his time in Kingston, 91 points one year, gets into Calgary probably a little bit too early, still slugs it out for five and a half or six years before the trade unlocks a, an entirely different player. And then, you know, Kachuk is Kachuk. He, he's, been, he's been fantastic. So uh, I, I usually look at it in terms of roster composition, and, and that's where I find the interest in watching the Stanley Cup team. Uh, what's next for you over the next couple of weeks as you get ready for the draft, Sammy? I know you were talking it's busy time for you. Uh, what it's got you and Bukla going over the next couple of weeks before we uh, officially set things off on the 28th? Super pumped to be able to get to Buffalo here uh, for a couple of nights uh, this week. Get out into the bars, have a few drinks, get the scuttlebutt. <laughs> Hopefully we get a few of those uh, high-end executives or, or head scouts who are overserved and be able to <laughs> get them chirping a little bit. Uh, no, I mean, listen, we use the combine both Thursday and Friday. We've got interviews set up with, uh, with players uh, from morning until night. 
I'm really looking forward to that. I love this part of the process where you get to sit down with the kids and, and get to know them a little better, some of which I've had the opportunity to sit down with earlier in the season and just kind of get caught up and see what, what's going on for them and, and get a better sense for what they're feeling before the draft. So I, I love that part of the process. Uh, Books and I will get an opportunity to do that coming up here for a couple of days in Buffalo along with the uh, with Carolyn Cameron, so really looking forward to it. Awesome stuff, Sammy. Really appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for joining us, as always. You're always so kind to us out here in Calgary, man. Enjoy your time out there. We'll chat with you again, I'm sure, as we get closer to the draft here. Okay, thanks, Logan. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Sammy. Take care. Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, joining us down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, all things NHL. Uh, a little bit on the Memorial Cup as well. Talked about Taylor's Habs for a little bit there. She's really excited about that, and I had to get all the information. Is it going to be Mitch Koff? You think it's going to be Mitch Koff? Uh, it's Cole Caulfield. Okay, that's a good extension. They're all happy about that. What do you think about that? No Mitch Koff for Montreal. I thought that might be one of the spots that would take him, but Sam doesn't seem so confident in that. You know, I feel like a lot of teams are a little hesitant to get Mitch Koff because of his contract in the KHL. And they don't want to be waiting for three years to have him in their organization or to be able to put him on their NHL roster. So I feel like a lot of teams are kind of going to pass over him, even though that he's a great player. Yeah. That KHL contract is a, uh, is always one. And you never want to see another GM come in and kind of get the success that you have, or should have had for drafting the guy, but that can happen. I mean, we've been lucky in Calgary to have a GM for nine seasons, but ask other teams, it doesn't always last that long. And, you can't really take a risk and hope that a guy will show up in three years and then all of a sudden you're sitting there going, I, I, I drafted that you guy. the hindsight of, oh, yeah, yeah no, should have drafted yeah. him. Mm. But Yeah, Phoenix, is, or Phoenix, I should say Arizona, is an interesting one. Um, uh, as Sam mentioned there, they picked 6-12 and 12, uh, in this upcoming draft. Could they take a swing there? Yeah, I think they're still a couple of years out. Montreal, the more I think about it, the more I like what Sam said about that because – they are probably within that year or two away from really wanting to contend. I feel like if you get a goalie in Montreal, you're talking about a team that you're going to expect to make some significant jumps up in the NHL standings, given how they've got some of those young guys already. So maybe a, a three or four year project like Mishkov doesn't really make sense. If you're, you're Arizona, you're still, you know, first of all, you're still trying to figure out where you're going to play for the next three or four years, but Secondarily to that, you're probably still three years away from really contending anyways. You could maybe take that shot at six. Wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Like, like Mitchkoff, everyone's talking Mitchkoff is like secondary to Bedard, and that's it. If he didn't have the KHL contract, he would be the second overall pick. And some people would take him first. That's how talented this kid is. But, again... You know, the KHL, uh, playing back in Russia, all that sort of stuff is is a tough one. And when you've got a contract for the next three years, and then you've still got – I mean, there's no guarantee that he comes over at that point anyway. So, um, going to be an interesting one. We'll see, obviously, the NHL draft uh, coming up on the 28th. The Calgary Flames selecting 16th overall as of right now. It'll be the first draft for new GM Craig Conroy. Amateur scouting meetings are in the uh, in the books. We'll see what the Flames do. Uh, when it comes to uh, their first draft with Craig Conroy at the helm. Looking forward to it. Thanks again to Sam for joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We will hear from Vegas head coach Bruce Cassidy as we get set 
for game two of the Stanley Cup final. Also checking on the Blue Jays. They've got a game day coming up tonight uh, against the Houston Astros after a great series uh, against the Mets. All that coming as we wrap up Hour 2 next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, keep it going on a Monday, Hour 2, Sportsnet Today. Logan, Taylor, Cam, Callum, we're all here. We're all hanging out. Quick reminder, you can get the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Podcasts go up literally moments after every hour is finished. You can go back and catch uh, hour one. Our first regular season edition of the Stamps Report with Patty Dumas and Matty Rose. News of the day across the NHL, including the Cole Caulfield extension. Anaheim has their next head coach, Greg Cronin. It's his first shot at an NHL head coaching job. And, of course, it's the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Game two of their best-of-seven series goes tonight in Las Vegas. Uh, Still to come, we'll hear from uh, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, Bruce Cassidy, as we get set for tonight's matchup. It was an entertaining game one, for sure, and Saturday gave us our first look at what this series was going to be all about. Lots of skill on display from both sides. Lots of tenacity. I think that's what caught a lot of people off guard. These two teams obviously don't see each other that often, uh, that often, excuse me, coming from different conferences. But the level of tenacity, the physicality, the after the whistle stuff started right from period number one. Nick Cousins get involved with Aiden Hill. We of course know Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett with their meetups and dust-ups with Nick Hague throughout the evening, including the one that eventually saw them both uh, booted with game misconducts late in the third period. Expect that to continue into game two. Both of these teams have been adapted at bringing the physical side out um, in their first three series, and it's proved well for both sides. Florida with the keep-calm approach after Saturday's loss, Paul Maurice, Everybody just breathe. They lost, of course, game one uh, to begin the playoffs against the Boston Bruins, but would win game one against Toronto and Carolina. So a a bit of familiar territory for the Florida Panthers. They, of course, love to head back to Florida with this series tied at one. The odds, if you're you're a big numbers believer, already not in their favor 76% of the time. The team that wins game one goes on to win the Stanley Cup final. So that would bode well for Bill Foley and the Vegas Golden Knights as they head into uh, game two tonight. Let's uh, hear from the Vegas Golden Knights. Their head coach is Bruce Cassidy. He's looking, of course, uh, to prove uh, a couple of different people wrong. He's done uh, great things in his first year as head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights and would want nothing more than his team to continue what was a great game one performance into game two tonight. Here is uh, the Golden Knights head coach, Bruce Cassidy. I'm Mark Anderson, AP. Um, Bruce, you've been in this situation before, and your players have been, you've got a room full of players who have been in this situation before where game one's not everything. How, how important is that as far as going forward? 
listen, you want to, before you can get to two, you got to win one, right? So we're, we're happy to get it done. I think our guys know we weren't at our best yesterday. I think that's fairly typical of game one in a lot of series. You kind of go through a feeling out process and as the series goes on, the temperatures rise. They rose a little last night. So we did enough to win, which we've done a lot this year. We found ways to win when we're not at our best and stay in the game to fight through the you know, the parts where you're maybe not executing as well as you'd like and whatnot. So, um, but again, when it was winning time in the third period and we got the goal from White Cloud, I thought we, you know, we recognized what was at stake and, you know, we were able to get to the finish line, do enough things right. Front left. Tracy Myers, NHL.com. It's easy to look at Jack Eichel and just say, okay, great goal scorer, but how much of a complete package is he with everything he's able to do for you guys? Well, you know, we've talked all year about his 200-foot game. He's been excellent from day one, bought in at training camp, how we want to defend in our end. So he's just a lot of closing uh, responsibilities for the centermen. And with his speed and size and strength and good stick, he's been real good at it. His reloads are excellent. He can, he's caught, I don't know how many plays this year from behind. So I think earlier in the year, he's maybe hanging behind the play a little bit. That was a habit he had. We tried to kind of... T bring out of his game where when the puck gets turned over or it looks like it's turned over, get moving back towards our end, he can still be a good high forward if we do retain possession. So that part of his game has been excellent. I think he's worked hard on his face-offs. We haven't given him a lot of PK responsibility, so that part's on me. But at the end of the day, uh, we trust him against anybody, does a good job against anybody, and um, obviously very dynamic when he has the puck. And has found two good line mates who's kind of in and out with Marshy most of the year. Barbashev comes over at the deadline, is a good fit for him. We'll go to the net for him. So I think they all complement each other very well. Left side, third row. Jesse Granger at the Athletic. Um, it was a big key against Dallas to keep them out of the front of the net. Um, the Panthers like to do that too. I don't know if you can answer this after one game of film, but how different is the challenge of keeping this team out of that area or, or how similar is it to last series? Well, it's similar. And I think Edmonton, when they got going, they, they could get there. They were more of a speed uh threat off the rush than probably any team in the National Hockey League just because of who they have, but they would get there. Winnipeg had some big bodies that tried to. They were a little different in how they played, but I think it's the playoffs. you got to be ready for it and used to it. And um, some lines do it better than other. I, you know, the, the Bennett line's a little more direct right to the top of the crease. We saw that with the skirmish early. Bennett had a couple of chances there in the second. Bang, bang, he goes right to the net. Uh, Kachuk's real good at finding drawing you out of that area and then putting pucks back in there. So you've got to be, know when he's going to the net and when he's trying to get you away from the net. So there's the challenges of the individual players. I think Barkov's line's a little more, they're looking for a few more of those east-west plays around the front of the net as opposed to bullying their way there. So there's different ways to defend it. That'll be the challenge that may be a little different from Dallas. Um, but they had some good players that get, got inside. I mean, Robertson was a handful once he got going. He finds pucks there and he's long. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is a similar challenge, but like I said, there's some tendencies that change a little bit, but we have to take care of that, that area. We, we know that. We have good players to do that. that. Our D is built that way, I think, where they can handle that night after night um, because they're long and, and you know, they, they, the system requires them to stay around the front of the net as well whenever they can. So it uh, should be a good challenge for us. It was last night. Uh, we came out ahead, but like I said, I, I think both teams will – We'll bring more in game two, and that will be an area we'll talk about. I think Jesse, every game we've got to be good there and, and uh, good enough the other night. Right side, fourth row. 
Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Bruce, I'm um, just wondering if you could describe the impact Phil Kessel has had on this team, whether it's on the ice or off the ice, and, and what, if anything, can he do to get back in the lineup? Well, to get back in the lineup, you know, someone's going to have to falter that's in there now. We've played pretty well. He started in the lineup. We just went away from it. Uh, it, was, it was earlier. Uh, Will Carrier got healthy. He's a different player than Phil. Um, something we thought was better for our fourth line in that situation. Would easy, it was easier to put Amadio in Phil's spot than put someone down into you know, how Carrier plays the game. That was the thinking, and we'd use that line all year. So that was nothing against Phil. It was just the health of our team uh, came around. Impact he's had. He's been a terrific teammate for our guys. Guys love him. He's got a, a sense of humor that's very unique, and I think our guys needed a little bit of that uh, looseness in our locker room. Um, he played very well for us during the season. Like I said, we just got completely healthy in the playoffs and decided to go with a certain lineup and run with it, and it's worked out. Uh, so I, I don't want to speculate how he'd get in. Hopefully there isn't injuries, but that's usually one way, and it's usually performance is the other. And so far we've been stayed away from injuries, and our performance has been pretty good. So, Left side, second row, Ben Goetz, Las Vegas Regional. Uh, Bruce, you scored five goals last night. You've been able to score in every series so far. What's kept the offense consistent throughout the playoffs? Well, the games we've lost, we haven't, right? So there's obviously credit to the other team. They, they check well. They they work hard to keep pucks out of their net. They have good goaltenders. So um, I just think it's our personnel. They, they've got guys with histories of scoring. And then I think the way that we've balanced the lines that you can't focus on one particular area, right? William Carlson has 10 goals. Their line was a little bit quiet last night. Uh, but Stevie's line got a couple. I mean, Theo was one of them, but they were on the ice. And so I think it's it's... You know, that, that balance in our line has allowed to do us every night. Um, special teams can help you there. Our power play has been hit or miss. Last night, we got one on the power play and one empty net, so it doesn't, you know, it, but still, we found a way to score four goals, which is usually enough to win uh, and has been the case for us uh, when we have. So um, D pitched in last night, two from the D core. We hadn't had a lot early on. Now, you're, you know, Petro had one, I think, just a few games ago, and, Theo heats up here a little bit. You know, Whitey's got a couple now, a big one in Edmonton. I remember he scored. So the timely goals as well from, from them. Take a few more for Coach. Front right, Tom. Tom Galitti, NHL.com. You mentioned your power play. The penalty kill was good last night. Your power play gave up a shorthand goal, but then rebounded and had a goal the next time. What did you like? What do you think you did better? And, and Marcus, I was saying, he thinks maybe there's still even room for improvement on the power play. Well, there is. I mean, Let's take out the last two because I think we're, we're trying to manage the game in that situation. We're not in attack mode. So, but I think we had four or five before that. We gave up a shorty. Um, I think with this type of kill, you got to, you know, play more downhill and make plays more towards the goal line in the front of the net than up. That's what happened on the first goal. We tried to make one up and they did a good job and all of a sudden they're going the other way. No, they got a bit of fortune on the wraparound. It hits our goal and goes in. But still, it's a good opportunity to give up that we'd rather not and keep possession in the O-zone. Uh, we've seen some things on the entries where maybe we can get to the net right off the rush. We did on one goal. We, I think we missed a couple opportunities on a few others. Um, they're a very aggressive team and with their D playing away from the front of the net. So if we can be on time with our plays and get it to the front of the net while they're leaving, um, which is easier said than done. But that's the areas we're trying to attack. Um, We've seen some of those aggressive kills, um, but maybe not 
recently as aggressive. So I think it takes a little bit to go through it in your mind to understand what you're seeing and then execute at the level needed. So that'll be the challenge for us each game. Um, PK, I liked last night. I thought it was good. They hit a post, but I mean, you know, you're going to give up some shots. But uh, other than that, I thought we, we kept it fairly clean around the front of our net. We'll take two more questions on the right side, Ian. Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet. You're accustomed to working with elite defensemen from your time in Boston. I'm just wondering, uh, a year with Alex Petrangelo, what about him is exceptional? What do you think allows him to stand apart? He's a high effort player. Um, you know, when you play against him, I saw him for seven games a few years ago in the final, but you don't really get to know a player, especially when he's out west too. Um, he's certainly got skill and, and, and makes his plays and got a good shot and a good nose for the net. But I think his effort to block shots, to defend hard, to clear the front of the net, those are some things I guess I've learned about Alex. I thought he was a little more the offensive tilted guy, but he's a full 200 guy. Penalty kill, he's one of the first guys over the boards, tends to clear the pucks exceptionally well. So complete player in that regard, that harder player, I guess, than, than maybe I would have suspected watching him against. I thought, I thought he was more the dynamic guy making the plays, but I think he does does it all at both ends. Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. You all set for tonight's matchup from a Vegas perspective. Six o'clock puck drop. You can listen to the game right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or watch the game live across the Sportsnet television networks uh, as that game goes on. Sportsnet West, Pacific, Ontario, whatever they are now. Uh, Sportsnet 1 will be your home for the Toronto Blue Jays tonight. They are coming off of a very successful road trip. In New York. Last year's National League batting champ Jeff McNeil at the plate. Swings at a fastball and clocks it in the air out to deep right field. Springer retreats, reaches out, makes the catch to finish the ball game. George Springer swooping back, elevates the glove above his cap, pulling back an extra base bid by Jeff McNeil. He locks up a 1-2-3 ninth inning save for Jordan Romano, his 15th of the season. Yusei Kikuchi goes through five innings. The Blue Jays get the big bat from Brandon Belt, a go-ahead two-run homer in the seventh, and they carry it to a 6-4 win and their first-ever sweep in New York over the Mets. The Blue Jays pick up a 6-4 win this afternoon in dramatic fashion. The Blue Jays have now won four in a row and six out of seven, and they can fly back to Toronto with a happy plane full of Blue Jays opening up a massive four-game tilt with the Houston Astros on Monday night. Ben Wagner on the call across the Sportsnet radio network. Yes, the Toronto Blue Jays handling business in New York against the Mets and will now look for their fourth series win in a row when they take on the reigning World Series champions. The Houston Astros are in town this week at Rogers Center. They've bounced back pretty nicely since a 2-9 and nine stretch against some AL East rivals winning series 2-1 against the Twins and Brewers before sweeping the Mets in a three-game series over the weekend. Uh, Toronto's record against the AL East has not been strong, just 6-15, but 27-12 versus the rest of Major League Baseball. Uh, Our projected starters for the next four games for the Jays against the Houston Astros goes like this, looking for Alec Manoa to get the start tonight for the Jays, 5-0-7 first pitch. Manoa has struggled mightily this year. He is 1-6 on the year with a 5.46 ERA. 
Uh, Toronto will then go to Kevin Gosman, who's been outstanding. Chris Bassett, new father, Chris Bassett. Congratulations to Chris and his wife on the successful birth of their son uh, after a tremendous pitching performance for Chris in New York. And the Jays will turn to Jose Barrios uh, on Thursday evening to uh, finish out this series against the Astros. Jays, 33-27. and They're 4-0 to start the month of June after an 11-17 and month of May. And our very own Taylor Dingman, uh, we'll be in Toronto soon enough to do Wednesday some hard afternoon, baby. Some hardcore reporting. Just kidding, some hardcore fanning. Uh, Taylor will be heading out there to uh, watch a couple games. You're going on? Are you going on Wednesday? I know you're arriving Wednesday. Are you going to the game Wednesday? I am not. I'm going Thursday and Friday night. Thursday, Friday. So you'll see Burrios. I will f- complete. The bet that Logan and I have going on. I don't think we have a bet going on. We, have a, we have a bet going on. I don't know what you're talking about. That will be clarified later at a later date. Yeah, sure it will. When that specific person comes on this radio station. Sure. Uh, so Astros Thursday and then Twins on Friday. Is that the plan for uh, for your trip? Yep. What are you more looking for? Are you looking forward to... The Astros game. It's a big game on Thursday. Barrios versus Valdez. You know what? I honestly just picked two random games that were back-to-back <laughs> that coincided with some flights. Yeah. Uh, so that's the reasoning behind those ones. Fair enough. But you're excited? Very. It's my first time in Toronto. Really? I've only been into the airport, and that was for a layover to Montreal or to Quebec City. So that's that's my Toronto experience. It's been a long time since I went, but you will uh, enjoy yourself. We'll miss you on the show, of course. I don't I'll know how, call in. I don't know how Cam's going to yeah, Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> maybe on uh, Friday we will we'll get a live Jay's report from Taylor in Toronto. How's that? Live from the stands. What time is the game? No, I don't think we'll be able to do it from the stands. I think it's an evening game on Friday. It is. But we'll get a Toronto update. The text line is always trying to figure out how to get Taylor more airtime here. So we'll... Uh, they should not be. We'll abide by that, and we'll check. How about we do that? Save some time on Friday, sometime during the show times, and we'll call you from Toronto and see how your week's going. Sounds good. Deal? Sounds good. Okay. I don't know how Cam's going to survive without you, to be honest. I know. He would I'm lose his head. I'm a bit concerned. He would lose his head if it wasn't attached to him. Cam, how are you I feeling? What does that mean? If your head was not attached to your body, would you would forget it. about it. I would be dead. Yeah, but if it was but not, if it wasn't, if it was, uh, if you were able to do other things, like remove your head from your body, like a chicken, a chicken can survive without its head for quite a while if you cut it in the right spot. It's a weird piece of information to know. <sighs> so strange. Are you gonna be able to survive without your other half? Yeah, we'll be okay. That was so that quick was really and confident. confident. Yeah, thank you. I'm really. We'll do okay. We can aim higher than okay, Cam. I feel very, you know, unappreciated here. I was saying I'm going to miss you. Cam's the one that's going to be just okay. Cam's mean to me all the time. Doesn't want to say anything. Doesn't have anything to say either. I'm working. Okay, stop. Stop working on air. Okay. Working hard or hardly working, Cam. Working hard, buddy. Yeah. Putting the show out in 10 minutes flat. Whatever you say. So we'll check in with Taylor uh, while she uh, gallivants across Toronto. Uh, probably infiltrates 590 the fan in Toronto. 
see what they do. See how professionals work, I guess, rather than us. A real um, radio station. Whatever. Uh, quickly on the Astro side of things, uh, they're still good, which, uh, meh, 35 and 24. Who would have guessed? Yeah. One win short of a four-game sweep against the Angels uh, after dropping a 2-1 decision last night. Uh, Houston third baseman Alex Bregman uh, had two hits. He extended his hit streak to 11 games. Uh, Jordan Alvarez tied for the MLB lead in RBIs with 51 Astros three and a half games back of the AL West leading Texas Rangers, but they currently sit in the second wildcard position. It's wild to me that the Texas Rangers are as good as they are uh, and are actually ahead of the Houston Astros, but uh, what well, do I know? I found this out yesterday that Marcus Simeon has a league-leading 23-game hit streak. Yeah, just raking. That's just unbelievable. Weird. So good. Former Jay was so good. Got paid. Still miss him. That dude was a beast. Is a beast. Uh, of course, somebody mentioned all eyes on Alec Manoa. Hopefully switching the calendar over uh, from May to June will help. Uh, it's been a tough, tough year for Manoa. He was the opening day starter. He made it just four innings uh, against the Brewers when his pitch count was already at 89 pitches. Pretty emotional after the game. Uh, his slider hasn't had the same bite. Control's been an issue for him. Uh, we'll see. It's a tough Houston lineup, but a chance for him to bounce back tonight. And, of course, uh, for the Astros health-wise, uh, Jose Altuve, eight-time All-Star, 2017 AL MVP. He's missed the last two games with an oblique injury after a weird slide on Friday. Dusty Baker says he is day-to-day Houston with the best ERA in the major leagues. They have a team ERA currently of 3.22. They're rolling with a six-man rotation, which is good news for the Jays because that means they'll miss out uh, seeing Houston's top starter, Christian Javier, with a 7-1 record and a 2.84 ERA. So Jays getting set to take on the Houston Astros. Uh, that one, again, can be seen on Sportsnet 1 tonight with uh, hockey taking over the rest of the Sportsnet channels. It is a 5.07 first pitch with Alec Winola getting the start for the Jays. We got to get out of here. Uh, we got Hockey PDO cast coming up next. Steinberg got you for a couple hours this afternoon, including an addition of Flames Talk that you don't want to miss. Uh, thanks to Sam Cosentino for joining us. Thank you to Matt Rose and Patrick Dumas for the Stamps Report. And thank you for listening live or on the podcast. And, of course, a shout-out to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, along with our intern, Callum. Uh, Taylor, have a great week in Toronto. We will miss you dearly. Uh, but have a bunch of fun, okay? I will do my best. If anybody has any recommendations for things I should be doing, mm. I have no ideas. Shout out. We'll do that. Uh, Taylor's off uh, to Toronto for a bit, so we got Cam uh, trying to survive on the other side without his best half. Uh, we'll see how that works for the rest of the week. Uh, we'll I'll get just get texts to buddy. being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Send help. I'm a whole person. Thank you. You can do, you'll, we'll do things. We'll get and by. we'll have a Zom. Yeah. A Zom will cover. Sure. That'll make up for it. Maybe. We'll see. It could be a tire fire. Who knows? Maybe a Zom's funnier. Uh, um, excuse me. <laughs> Hurtful. That's rude. Hurtful. That's rude. I drove you home on Friday, and this oh, is how you treat me. Oh, snap. That's what you get, Cam. Fix that car, okay? Yeah, soon, buddy. This yeah. week, hopefully. <laughs> I heard that last week. Okay, we got to get out of here. Enough of this. Uh, we love you for listening. Check out the podcast. We're back tomorrow. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Tuesday edition of Sportsnet today. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Same time, same place. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.